I hope you brought your Bibles this morning, and, uh, and if you have, I'd like for you to turn in it to uh, 2 Corinthians, to the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. I want to begin there this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the first verse is where we'll begin. We'll read the first uh, uh, six or seven verses, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Uh, and just ask his blessings on the rest of this service. So, I, if I said 1 Corinthians, I meant 2 Corinthians. I don't know if I said that or not. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, all right? So, okay, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. I'll give you just a moment longer to find it in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1 begins and says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... We have received mercy. As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden images of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not of ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning, to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you, Lord, for each one that you've sent our way. We thank you for our church family, for the roof you put over our head, for the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here. Lord, we thank you, Lord, every breath that we draw is a gift from you. You've been so good to us, Lord. Uh, Lord, and you've blessed us so much, Lord. And, and Lord, I just pray that none of us would take that for granted, that we would not take it lightly, but we'd always give you the praise and glory that you alone are due. But the greatest gift that has ever been given is you give your only begotten son. You sent Jesus to die, not for his sins, because he was without sin, but for our sins, to shed his lifeblood so that we might be redeemed, so that we could be reconciled to you. Lord, sometimes I think we don't realize what a sacrifice that was. What a gift that is that you have given. Where miracle or salvation is. Now, because of what you've done, we can live with you forever. Lord, I pray that every one of us would leave here realizing what a wonderful gift that you have given us. That every one of us would leave here praising you and rejoicing lifting your name up, telling everyone that we come in contact with about you 
and your mercy and your grace and how great and how awesome that you are. Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would have your way and your will in our midst and our service. Satan has no place here. Pray that he, that he is bound and rebuked. And I pray, Lord, that you would move. You would have the freedom to move freely and openly in our midst here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, that you would, you would just reveal your word to us by your sweet Holy Spirit. God, I, my prayer this morning is, is that uh, you would touch each one of us. Our hearts are not hidden from you. You know what is in our hearts. You know what's in our lives, what's in our minds. You know what, what we're dealing with, the issues that we have. Uh, Lord, there's nothing that is unknown or hidden to you. Nothing here this morning is a surprise to you. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that you would just move in a mighty way in our midst. God, that you would do what only you can do here, and we'll give you the glory for it. We'll leave here rejoicing, praising you. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would move in our service, in our hearts and our lives. My prayer this morning is if there's any lost and undone among us, any that are backslidden, any that are not sure where they stand with you, any that is on shaky ground, any that doesn't have a relationship with you, any that don't know you. God, my prayer is, is that you would pour out that old time Holy Ghost conviction upon them. God, that you would not give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. God, my prayer is, is you have your way and your will in our midst and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the glory for it. And Lord, let me ask one more thing of you. I need your help here this morning. I can't preach without you. I know that. I know that I am woefully inadequate. I know that I just, I don't have anything to say unless you give it to me. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is you clear my mind of everything, but your thoughts, your message, your words, you place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak. Uh, Lord, and you just help them to roll and flow off plainly. And uh, 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 that, Lord, that enable me to just preach from my spirit to theirs, just pour it out this morning. And I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, have your way and your will in our services here this morning. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want to focus in this morning on that third verse. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Uh, Paul is talking here to the church at Corinth in the second letter to them. Uh, he, is making, he is making clear that, uh, that he, they didn't use tricks or uh, deceitful or dishonesty or craftiness or anything like that, but they plainly preached the word of God, and they made it plainly known. And they didn't preach about themselves, but they preached about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had done. And I thought that was interesting. He said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Made me think of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, right? Remember Zacchaeus? That's the one the kids sing about, the wee little man. He climbed the sycamore tree so he could see the Lord. Remember that whole story? I believe that's in Luke chapter 19. And Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, I think he was chief of the tax collectors, he invited Jesus to his house. And remember, they, a bunch of people got upset because they said that Jesus ate with 
sinners. And, and, and Zacchaeus, he made a declaration that night. He said that he was going to bestow half of his goods to the poor. And if he had, if he had cheated anybody, if he'd done anybody wrong, right? If he'd stole from anybody, if they, I believe the scripture says of a false accusation that he would restore fourfold. And then do you remember how while Jesus responded, the last thing that Jesus said? Jesus said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's that word again, lost. The question I have for you this morning is, what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be lost? Let me say this, first of all. I hope, my hope and my prayer is that every single soul that is here this morning is saved and on their way to heaven. That is my hope and that is my prayer. But if, but if it'd be all right with you this morning, I'd like to preach to you this morning like the house is full of lost people. All right? In these two verses here this morning, we have found this word lost. What does lost mean? Well, when we look up the word lost and, and we think about what it means to be lost, first of all, if you're just, you know, lost in general means uh, that you're not able to find your way, right? Or you don't, uh, uh, you don't know where you are, <coughs> right? Um, you know, I think about my own self. I have, um, I, I realize as long as you've known me, I've lived here in town, but that this, that's not me, other than one little short stint. It's the only time I've ever lived in town. I've always been out in the country, been a country boy, grown up uh, in the country, uh, tra you know, traipsing around the woods. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just who I've always been uh, from the time that I was, the time I can remember. Uh, and uh, my parents, matter of fact, my parents let me go and, and explore the woods younger than probably what I would ever let, uh, I know younger than what I'd ever let my children and so anyways, I've always had a good sense of direction. I, I just have. That was just something that I was born with. I've just about always had a good sense of direction. Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as going out, and, and I remember as a kid, exploring through the woods and, and, and things like that, I always, right, I, I could always, I always knew which direction the house was, right? I could always turn and point towards the house, and, and you know, I never got, I don't remember getting anywhere where I was, where I was ever lost. And then as I got older, I've, I've been a hunter. I think we talked about fishing here a few weeks ago. I've never been a big fisherman. Uh, I fished a lot growing up, but as an adult, I've never been a big fisherman. But anyways, I, I've always liked to hunt. I've always hunted a lot. I've been, to, I've been and hunted in a lot of different places on a lot of different people's land and farms and government land and Mark Twain Forest and, and, and all that around here. Of course, all my hunting's been in Missouri or, yeah, I've been in Missouri. Uh, except for one instance, and but anyways, I just um, I don't recall a time of not knowing which way the pickup was. I just always had a good sense of direction. I went out hunting one time on a hunting trip with friends of mine. Right, it was a year before, two years maybe before Abby was born. We went to Colorado elk hunting. That was something that me and, and my, a couple of my friends, we always wanted to do. And we saved and saved and saved so that we were able to go. And There's a whole long story with all of it. That's part of it that turned out to be quite a mess. And, and I, I won't waste your time telling you all that. But I will say this. 
That was the first time out there on the side of that mountain that I ever got somewhere and got turned around and got truly lost, not for a long time, but for a little while. I mean, that was the first time. Now, you have probably experienced this before, but that is the first time where I ever realized I did not know which way I needed to go. I did, I mean, completely, totally lost in the feeling of panic, right, that comes over you in those first moments. What am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, even, you guys know I drove a truck for years, even driving a truck. I never, Now, there was times where I ended up places I didn't aim to go. Right? That wasn't where I was trying to go. And there was times where I went places and what was supposed to be there wasn't there. Right? <laughs> That's bad directions though, Ron. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's times like that. But as far as being lost, no, I could always get back to the house. I knew which way to point the nose of that old truck and head home. If that's, you know, worse comes to worse, that's always my attitude. That's always the way that I looked at it, you know. But there, now, when I got lost in Colorado, now don't envision that they had to send out a search team and there was helicopters looking for me. It was on the news and Jennifer was, you know, at home. Where, no, it wasn't nothing like that. It, I, nobody, if I hadn't have told the story, nobody would even know. Because after a little while, I found this old road. And I, I was smart enough to know the old logging road, that that road goes somewhere, Right? Pick a direction and follow it. It's going to come out somewhere. Or it's going to end, and if it ends, you went the wrong way, turn around and go the other way. So to be lost, right? The scripture says that Jesus come to seek and save that which was lost. Paul said if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. To be lost means that you are unable to find your way. You don't know where you are and you don't know how to get where you need to be. To be lost spiritually, right? Let's enter into another realm here, right? That is, that's church lingo. That's something you hear talked about in church among Christians a lot is about people being lost. We're not talking about people who are physically lost like I was in the, out there in the mountains in Colorado that one time, right? We're, we're not talking about lost as far as I don't know, you know, where I'm physically at. But we are talking about spiritually lost, right? We mean that you have not found God, right? You have not found the way to God. The only way to God is Jesus Christ. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, right? He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the way, right? That's the only way. That's the path home, right? That's like I was talking about when I was in the mountains of Colorado, that old logging road I found. That was the way back to where I needed to be, right? If you are lost, you have not found God, and Jesus is the only way to get to Him. Don't we live in a world where all kinds of people think that all kinds of paths can lead them to God? We live in a day and a time where you will hear on the TV, people you'll see on the internet, your friends will tell you that, uh, you know, they'll, you, they'll throw their human, uh, humanistic philosophy at you, right? They'll intermingle a little bit of all these different uh, Buddhism and Confucianism, or however you say it, I get confused when I say it, and it's confusing too. But anyways, uh, 
all of these different philosophies and religions at you. And they say that you can find God by following these different paths. But you can't. There's only one way. There is only one way. Peter talks about a, a, a truth that they had perceived, right? A, a, something that they understood. In Acts chapter 4, he says, There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus. He is the, he's not just the way. He is the only way. There is no other way. Now listen to me this morning. I, I said a minute ago that I wanted your permission to preach to you like you're lost, and I'm going to do that. But let me, let me make it an admission here. Every single person sitting in this room, without exception, is either spiritually lost right now, or you were lost at one time. And if you were lost at one time, that's not something that you easily forget about, right? That's something that I ought to be able to ask you, just like if you come up to me and ask me, have I ever been physically lost? Yeah, that was a little bit of a, that was a, little bit of a moment in my life. I won't forget that, and I can tell you the story. Being spiritually lost and realizing, right? I wasn't, look, there was nothing. When I was out hunting that day, there wasn't nothing big or unusual about it. There wasn't nothing dramatic. There wasn't nothing memorable. Not 21 years later memorable. Until that moment I realized I was lost. That's the moment that I'll never forget. The panic. The realization. I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know which way I needed to go. It is the same with us spiritually. You either are lost right now or you were lost at one time. And if you were lost at one time and no longer, then you ought to be able to recount. You ought to be able to think back and remember the moment when you realized that you were lost and you needed to be saved. Right? We talk about that in, in the sense of a salvation experience. Now there is some that are lost, realize they're lost, and they still reject the way. They still reject God. They still turn and go the wrong way. Right? And they deliberately refuse. Right? They deliberately turn their back on God. And they deliberately remain lost. But for many in that moment when they realize, it's the Holy Spirit that's there. It's like, hey, you're lost, but I can lead you where you need to go. So everyone in this room is either lost right now or at one time in your life you were lost. And the only difference between the two, if there was two sitting side by side, one was lost and one used to be lost, the only difference between the two is the one that is no longer lost has turned their lives over to Jesus Christ. They have repented of their sin and they have called upon the Lord for salvation. That is the only difference. It is not because the one, per the one person is somehow a super, uh, you know, a super special uh, spiritual person and God cares so much about them but doesn't care about the other one. No, he cares about all equally. He sent his son to die for every single one. 
you know, most of the world, right now as I speak, most of the world is lost. I mean, what I mean by that is most of the people in the world, they are lost right now as I speak. They are lost. And the sad part is, they don't even care. Can I share with you some thoughts? Because I'm going to have to say, it is sad, we've reached a time, right? Most of the world's always been lost. But we've reached a time more so than I think at any time in any of our lives, anyway, setting here, if not in recent history, that people are lost and they don't care. They just simply could care less. Can I explain to you this just for a minute what it means to be lost? Because I think if they grasp what it meant to be lost, they would care, right? Right? I knew what it meant for me to be lost out there on that mountain. I knew that it, it, there was already snow on the ground, right? And I knew that, I, look, I got a lot of insulation. I had a lot then too. But I knew that I probably, I, I, I wouldn't make it, all right? I mean, I just don't know. Uh, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't equipped. Right? I was equipped to do a lot of walking and a lot of hunting, climbing and, and that kind of hunting. I was not prepared to just go out there and spend a night in the snow at 12,000 plus feet. And I knew, I knew I had to figure out something and find my way. So what does it mean to be lost? Well, first of all, which should be most obvious, is to be lost means that you're on your way to hell. Right? To be lost means that you're on your way to hell. Do you know... Listen, let me put it this way. Every single person who dies without Jesus Christ are headed to hell. There is no way, as I said a minute ago, but by Jesus, right? That is it. There is no other path. There is no other valid uh, way, right? Jesus is the only way. And listen to me, hell hell was, was, was not created for you and I, right? It was created for the devil and his angels, right? God gave his own son, his only begotten son, to die for all. All sin, right? To die for every single one of our sins. For that, that way, whosoever would accept him, right, could be reconciled and could be made right and could be forgiven. That way, no one would have to go to hell. If you go to hell, it's because you chose it, right? And you, you made the decision, the choice when you rejected Christ. And every single one of those who go to hell will go over the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you choose to go to hell, you will have to step over the crucified body of Christ in order to get there. 
Have you ever thought about that? He has done everything. He has went as far as is could possibly go. The only thing that is left, right? We talk about the the example, the analogy, right, of the or the parable of leading a horse to water, but you cannot force it to drink. He has done everything. He has put the water right to our lips. All we've got to do is partake of it, right? All we've got to do is submit, right? All we've got to do is repent, turn to him, accept him, right? It is right there. That's why I say, if you go to hell, it's because you chose to go there. And if you choose to go there, you will have to step over the crucified body of Christ in order to get there. What does it mean to be lost? Well, I said it means you're on your way to hell. I'll tell you what else it means. It means that you have no hope. When you are lost, you are without Jesus. When you are without Jesus, you have no hope. The scriptures, <coughs> I believe it was, uh, um, I believe it was Devin last week, right? I think last week was Easter. I believe it was Devin last week on Sunday night. Read the scriptures uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says that if our only hope is in, uh, is in Jesus in this life, right, we're the most miserable of all men, right? It's talking about if you didn't believe there was a resurrection. In other words, if you just thought Jesus was an enlightened spiritual teacher or guide or just a really, really good man or something like that, right, you are the most miserable of all men. You have no hope. If you are lost, you are without hope, right? If you're lost, right, you think that whenever you close your eyes, for the last time there's nothing but blackness right it is no longer consciousness no longer exists that is no hope no hope of eternity no hope of making heaven your home no hope of, uh, uh, when it comes to the day of judgment I, I believe every one of us even the most ardent atheist that denies uh, uh, the existence of God deep down in their heart and in their soul if they would be completely honest with you knows uh, that there is coming a day of reckoning there is coming a day of judgment even when I was lost and I was running from God I knew deep down inside that there would come a day of judgment that's within us and we can't get rid of that and we can't get around that without Jesus if you are lost there is no hope on that day of judgment, right? We're all guilty, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't have that feeling. You wouldn't worry about it if you didn't know deep down you are guilty of your sins. All of us are. But our hope is in Jesus Christ. He paid the price for us. He shed his blood for us, right? When we stand before the judge on the day of judgment, he's not going to look at you and say, well, you've been a good old boy, right? He's not going to look at you and say, you've been a good wife. He's not going to look at you and say, well, you went to church all the time and you paid your tithes and, and you were nice to people and you helped people. And, you, you know, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, guilty. And your only hope is Jesus. There's not going to be a, oh, he's really not that bad, let him go. It's going to be, yeah, he's guilty or she's guilty, but I paid the price for them. I made the sacrifice. Jesus made the sacrifice for us. He shed his life blood on Calvary's hill. That's why I said if you're lost, if you've not found Jesus, you've not found God, right, you're lost. There's no hope of avoiding hell. There is no hope of escaping God's wrath. There is no hope. 
if you're lost, you're on your way to hell, and you have no hope. What else does it mean to be lost? Well, it means that you're living in darkness. John 8, 12 says, Then, uh, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus, when you're lost, you are in the dark. Listen to me. No one needs to stay in the dark. Right? You don't need to stay in the darkness of being lost. Jesus is the light. He, he's the one that leads you to forgiveness, right? Let me urge you to take a step into the light this morning, right? Into the light of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He stands inviting you to enter in. And to say no is to place yourself one day closer to an eternity in hell. Today could be, you ever thought about that? Today could be your last day. And if you die without Christ, then be assured, hell awaits your arrival. Be assured, your ticket was bought a long time ago. You bought and paid for that one. And hell awaits your arrival. Now, I've talked about a hell a lot already. And you might be sitting there thinking all kinds of things. I know what most of the world thinks about hell. But let, let me answer that question. Hell is as real as we are. Just as sure as you and I are sitting there, there's a hell that awaits everyone uh, who dies lost. It is a place where there is real people at right now. It, it, and to say uh, that hell isn't real is about as smart as saying the world ends at your eyesight. You ever thought about that? To say that hell doesn't exist is about as intelligent or about as smart as saying that beyond the, the distance that I can see, the world no longer exists. It's about as smart as saying that the world ends at your eyesight. Listen to me, in both cases, we are saying nothing exists beyond what we can physically see. Right? You ever thought about that before? To say there is nothing beyond what I can see? That is one of the most ignorant statements that some of the smartest people in the world make. Listen to me. If you're lost, you're living in darkness. The God of this world has blinded you to the gospel of light, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be lost? Well, let me tell you something. To die lost means that you will be separated from God for all of eternity. That, mean, that means to be separated from God's presence, right? It means to be separated from God's love, right? The complete and total absence of God. That, you understand, that's what actually, in my opinion, that's what makes hell, hell, is the total absence of God. When we, I told you this before, but when we look out the creation, right? Anything good you see is still a little bit, even though it is marred by sin, right, and scarred, it is still a little bit of the reflection of the Creator when He looked at everything at the end of the sixth day and said it was very good. Hell is the absence of all that. That's why it's described as outer darkness. That's why it's described as a place of torment and anguish, right? of wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place where the worm dieth not. 
and those that die lost? Let me, let me dispel another false doctrine that's taught. There are some that even claim to be Christians that will teach that hell is temporary. And there are several versions of it, right? There's one version that teaches that hell is temporary, and they, they make it more like a purgatory. It's a temporary place of, of torment and punishment, and once you've spent sufficient time there, then, then you know everybody will be rescued from there. There's another version of it that is taught that you're there, but your, your soul and everything burns up, and it's just like that, and then it's, then it's blackness, it's nothing, and then it's you know the same worldview is almost like the atheist has and the humanistic worldview. Listen to me. All of that is false doctrine. All of that is false teaching. None of that is scriptural. None of that, none of that is biblical. You will not find any of that here in the scriptures. What you will find in the scriptures is that hell is a place of eternal torment and punishment, right? It is a place where the flame is never quenched, where it never goes out, right? It is a place where we will be eternally, forever separated from God. And that means your separation is from God. And it's from your family. And it's from everything and everyone that you've ever cared about. I have heard people brag about going to hell. Uh, that say they're going to meet, you know, that that's fine with them going to hell because that's where their family or their friends is and they're going to meet up and they act like that they're going to have some big party or a barbecue or something like that. That is total utter nonsense. There will be no reunions in hell that you will not meet up with your buddies or your family and have a big party in hell. It is a place of anguish and torment eternally without end. To die lost means that you will be cast into the lake of fire forever, that place of torment. Right? Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 says death and hell hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whatsoever and not whatsoever but whosoever and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire right what does that mean what does that speak of well fire is speaking of judgment of course right so it's a judgment of the wicked it's a judgment of the lost right it's a judgment of all those who said no to god it's a judgment of everyone who had opportunity right everyone has opportunity so it's a judgment of everyone who put off getting saved fire speaks of judgment it speaks of torment can you imagine being in a hot, blazing, boiling fire and no way to get out of it? No way to get out of it. Your body will not be consumed, right? You're, you're, you're in your uh, eternal body, your celestial body, right? It is one that will not be consumed. Instead, it will be tormented, burning forever and ever. Have you ever been really close to hot fire before? I, uh, first time I ever realized anything quite like this, I mean, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. And for a long time, I always prided myself as being, you know, tough. And uh, that's when I was dumber than what I am now. As you get older, you get a little bit smarter. You really do, most people. Um, 
you know, for a long time I never saw a fire so close that I couldn't force myself to get as close or touch or whatever. I mean, I, I've touched a lot of hot stuff. Um, I've been in the, in, the, in the shop with the boys. I'm talking when I was in high school, right? You know you cannot move your, hand, your finger faster. You know how people do a cigarette lighter and run your finger, you know, through it and not get burned? You can't do that fast enough on a cutting torch. The fire is too hot. Uh, we were stupid. We watched somebody get burned and next thing do it too, you know. And that's a lot of heat. But, I mean, you can force yourself to run, to, to, to run your hand through it, right? There's been times where I've had to grab stuff that was absolutely um, hot, hot, hot. Uh, I, was running a, I was running a brush cutter for the county one time. This was years ago. Me and Jennifer first got married. And it was one of them had a little the side arm on it. It goes all up and down. Anyways, I got too close to the edge of the ditch there where I was trying to cut for the county. And there was a culvert right there, and part of it caved in, and the, and the thing dropped down this way, and I was about to fall off of that old, it was a John Deere tractor with that on the arm on the side of it, it's what it was. I was about to fall off of it, and I was going to fall right in front of that, and that was not going to be good. And I, I forced it, and it was hot. The, the old muffler is right here in front of me, coming up out of that hood, and that's how far up on it I was. And I stuck my hand on it and pushed myself back up. I left the skin from my hand on that muffler. I don't mean just a little bit. I mean a lot, fingerprints and all, left it on there. I mean, I'm saying, I've, I, you know, there's some hot things, right, and you can force yourself to it. But the first time I was ever around a fire that was so hot, that I could not force myself to get any closer was when God began to give me the realization of just exactly what the fires of hell might be like. We were getting ready for an old brush arbor. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's the truth. We were getting ready for an old brush arbor north of Seymour several years ago. And there had been an old outhouse and there was some old wood that was probably over 100 years old. Been paying no telling how many times they'd pushed in, they'd cleaned up this area uh, where we were going to have this and it was a big fire and it was roaring and it was roaring and then when that old wood got to burning good, man, I had never been around a fire, not that big a fire that that was hot. I know something small like a torch might technically be higher in degrees, but when you add volume to it, that changes everything. And I had this, we were throwing the brush on there, and I had this one limb that was not real big, and when I threw it, and it, of course it didn't, the wind come just right, and it didn't get on it, and I thought, I'm going to throw it on up on there, and it was hot, and I thought I could force myself to get close enough to throw that up on there. That was the first time in my life that my body, my mind said yes and was doing everything it could. And my body said, no, you are not going any closer. And that's the hottest fire, I guess, that I've ever encountered. But it is nothing, nothing like. You know, they talk about the degree, how hot a fire is and it gets different temperatures, right? And, and, and white hot is hotter than a blue flame, for instance, and things like that. But they talk about the flames in hell and it's total darkness and it must be even hotter, a black flame or something. I don't know, I don't understand, but I know this. This is a place of eternal burning forever and ever. And I wonder, why? Why would you ever take a chance on going to hell? Why? Why would anyone put off the opportunity to miss a place like that? Right? You don't have to go to hell. You have the opportunity to miss it. 
Right? You have the opportunity. Forget about a minute how wonderful heaven is going to be and what God has in store for you there. But think about the awfulness of hell and you have the opportunity to miss it. Why would you pass up on that? Think about what it means to be lost. To die lost means that all memory, memory of you will be wiped away from all who are in heaven. But yet you will never forget. Have you ever thought about that before? I have a lot of thoughts and, and some questions about all this, but I know this. I know that those that are in heaven, they will not remember you. They will not think of you the same and remember you. I know that for sure. Because Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears, from their eyes. And there shall be no more uh, death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's no way, no way that, you're lo- that those that you love could be in heaven and know that you're suffering in hell without feeling sorrow, right? Without the, the crying and the pain and the sorrow. It says all tears will be wiped away. That means that those that are in heaven must not have any memory of their loved ones in hell. Because if they could remember them, they would still be tears. Right? If you're in heaven and your child, or your parent, or your sibling, or your spouse, you know is burning in eternal hell. How could that be without there being tears and without there being sorrow and without there being crying? The only logical thing, the only reason, the only thing I can decipher is that there is, and that fits with the scripture, there is no more memory of you. It's been wiped away. But yet on the other hand, you who are in hell, uh, torment and suffering, you will not forget anything. You will remember everything. Right? Think about that. Those that you know that are in heaven will have all memory of you removed from their memory. Your mother, your dad, your wife, your husband, your kids, they won't remember you, but you'll remember them. Your memory will go on forever. And every opportunity that you ever had to escape this tormented hell. Every time you heard the gospel, every gospel song you ever heard, every time you heard the message preached, every time somebody shared with you Jesus, whether they shared a track with you or read scripture to you or, or, or just witnessed to you, you might say, how do you know that we'll remember, those that are in hell will remember? Well, if you look in Luke chapter 16 and verse 25, the rich man, it says he remembered and so will you. The memory of all, all the times that you had the opportunity to be saved. And instead you turned away God. You rejected him. You trampled Christ. The times that you said no to the Lord. Right? You'll remember all those gospel songs. I don't know that you'll remember uh, all the worldly rock and roll secular songs and things like that, but all them songs that contains the gospel message, right? You'll remember all them gospel songs. You'll remember every time you heard about the Lord. You'll remember every message, every sermon that you ever heard. You'll remember every time the Holy Spirit knocked on your heart's door and pricked your heart. 
Listen, why am I telling you all this? Because you've rejected God enough. One day you will say no for the last time. For the last time you'll say no. You don't know when that last time will be, right? There's a lot of people who've died in their teens. There's a lot of people who've died young, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. My goodness, I look at that, and most of the men in my family on my dad's side died in their 50s. My dad made it to almost 61, and that was old for the men over there. You never know. When will be your last time? No one, no one knew when their last moment, their last time was going to be. And you don't know either. But here's what you do know. There's still time to be saved. There's still an opportunity, right? You're here and you hear the sound of my voice. You've heard the gospel message that Jesus Christ came and died for you. He shed his lifeblood for you, right? All he is waiting is for you to repent and turn to him, right? To receive him into your life and your heart. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Glory to God. You will be, you will be granted, to, I don't know how to say that, forgiveness. That's the way to say it, right? I was trying to say some sort of pardon, but you will be granted forgiveness, right? Not based on your merit and what you did, but based on what Jesus did. All you've got to do the price has been paid. All you've got to do is stop rejecting, stop saying no. All you've got to do is return to him and receive Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all. And you can escape all of those things that I've described that waits for the lost person. Would you stand to your feet? I don't know where you stand this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you've been dealing with. I don't know how the Spirit of God's been dealing with your heart. Maybe you're the lost person I've been preaching to this morning. Don't miss this opportunity. Come. Maybe, maybe this morning's message has been a wake-up call to you for some that you know in your life. Some that's close to you. Some that's dear to you that's lost. Would you come pray for them? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, would you come?